0: The car you drive every day should be fun.
1: But it has to do the boring stuff too, like commute, be affordable, and haul your groceries. You can have both, and we'll help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Today. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. We're happy to have you with us, but if you've been looking on Facebook, this is the podcast where we've asked Chance to step in and and help us out. Because Todd is on some very, very well-deserved vacation time. So Chance, welcome back. Thank you so much for, break- for stepping in. We really appreciate it. No,
0: thank- yeah, thanks for having me. And Todd definitely needs a break. He's been just killing himself on edits and whatnot with Icon and getting that ready for
1: everybody. Yeah. Well, we had a great premiere here in Park City. It was a lot of fun to share that with everyone. So if you have not seen the film yet... It's not too late because you can get it on Vimeo as a digital rental or digital download. So check that out. We've been having some great responses. And Justin, thank you for writing in. He also uh, noted that. Justin was the owner of the two Mustangs that we drove, the GT350 and the Boss 302. So just heard from him today. Thank you for watching, Justin, and uh, appreciate all y'all. I just used all y'all. I'm not from Texas. I don't know what happened. Anyway. (laughs) It's your inner Todd. (laughs) I guess. We've got to channel him since he isn't here. And... You can vet, ladies and gentlemen, that he is listening because, uh, funny enough, uh, when we put this podcast together, we have to listen through and make sure everything sounds right. And so we find ourselves narcissistically listening to ourselves when we check it through. And Todd's going to be listening even though he's not here <laughs> and uh, laughing at us from afar. So I uh, <laughs> hope his That's vacation right. is relaxing. And I don't know what he wants. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know why he wants to listen to us when he's on vacation, but... Anyway, um, well, you know, <laughs> he's got to though. I I know it. It's a, it's an addiction. So, yep. Anyway, <clears throat> well, uh, as I said, Chance is the perfect person for the debates here, and uh, I'll tell you why in a little bit. But uh, we've got Chris Boucher or Chris Booker. I'm not sure, Chris, how to pronounce your last name, so I'll just leave it there as Chris from Indianapolis, Indiana, and he's writing in because. Very much like Chance, he's got an old and a new car. And here Chance has an old and a new car. It's a Mustang Project car sitting in the garage, which is, uh, you know, we're, we're all uh, waiting with bated breath. <laughs> I think you are too. I think Mandy is as well.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, everybody is. <laughs> but, uh, we'll, we'll, we've also got... Uh, got some discussion here at the beginning with the uh, BMW group opening up a new development center for autonomous driving and uh, it's it's interesting that this comes just after uh who's Uber with their their autonomy problems they're having in California with with legalities and how they're now I just saw a little bit ago that, that they're now moving everything from California to Arizona to do their testing so BMW has taken it a step further, and they've built their own testing facilities just for autonomous driving, which I think is an awesome idea because then they don't have to worry about legal legalities. They can do everything in a closed uh, test course and circuit, and they can you know once they're done there, they can just go right inside and do all their their programming, make some tweaks, and go right back out and do it all over again.
1: Yeah, I I think it's pretty cool to be honest, and it just seems like every manufacturer is going to be jumping on board dedicating their own research center to this very thing as it uh you know as things develop but you said you had uh, a couple other notes along with uh along with this news from BMW right
0: yeah just just thought that it was kind of interesting how uber just had their problems and, and just a couple days later they made this announcement and then i also saw earlier today that Tesla updated their autopilot today as well, and they've made it so if you're using autopilot, it will force the car to not speed. It will not let you set the autopilot to go faster
1: than the post speed limit. Huh. So I'm wondering, is that going to be good for new drivers, teen drivers, when their parents let them borrow the car, borrow the family co- The car? You can't see me, but I'm doing air quotes right now. You know when when uh, you know, hey, Mom, can I take the car? Does that mean you're going to be able to track your son or daughter and look at wherever they are on your phone and set their speed limit, or is that Tesla doing it for you It just I guess that's good and bad yeah. because uh, you know <laughs> there is such a thing as our own decision making right i mean yeah and I mean it. with with Let's, the
0: way These cars, Tesla's cars are connected at all times pretty much too now. And so they'll have GPS and know where everything is (laughs) and they'll be able to see, I imagine if like if you're using your GPS system on your car, a lot of times some of them will show you what the posted speed limit is wherever you're driving. And so it can probably just pull that information to say, nope, okay, 80 miles an hour, that's set, you're done. Just keep on going at 80. Huh.
1: That's interesting. I've also noticed here in Utah we have speed limit signs that are digital, which means those can be programmed by the the Utah, you know, state of Utah to lower the speed limit in weather. And I've seen those change when it's really snow and hard outside and it's really bad weather. So I've seen those signs change to, you know, 10 miles an hour lower, but then yeah. that means the car is always going to be pulling that information and adjust your speed accordingly. That's – Pretty wild. I don't know.
0: Who, I mean, who knows? Yeah, it's crazy stuff.
1: That's pretty wild. I mean, of as much into tech as you all know that I am and, and pushing forward, that part is, uh, I guess, a little bit less than thrilling to me that the car would just exactly go the speed limit because sometimes you really need to punch it to get through, get away from a dangerous situation, or you know, you need to go up to 80 or 90 even just to get away from a tractor trailer or something like that to get out of danger. Which is the choice? Which is you know what you need to do when you're driving. So, I, I yeah, that's that's well, a, a long debate there. I think
0: this is this current update is just for auto, autonomy. So, I imagine if okay. you're just driving normally, you can still if you want to do 120 in a 20, then I guess you could do that. I wouldn't advise that, but <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Okay, so only but, during autonomous mode or semi-autonomous mode, right? Will it do that? All right. Right. All right, so you can put the fire on the screen, the the campfire, and read your favorite book and cruise slowly along.
0: All right. Put on a movie or whatever, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Gosh.
1: Well, all right, that's that's part of the deal, I guess, and uh, I suppose there will be people to hack that as well at some point, but, uh, you know, it's... um, It's bound to happen. (laughs) It's coming. Well, I uh, wanted to switch gears a little bit, and talk about a podcast that Todd and I have noted that really resonated with our audience. And as a matter of fact, I was talking to a friend just the other day, James. Uh, he is out in Pennsylvania, and he has been looking at BMW M3s for a long time. And <laughs> finally, his wife has said, all right, when are you getting your car? And their <laughs> third child is on their way, on the way. And... uh having three car seats across is a genuine reality. And this podcast has resonated with so many of you because it is such real life. And we talked about and debated the merits of car seats. And it turns out James, my friend, has found two European manufacturers, two models that will fit and squeeze in three across. And so now he's asking me, do Hmm. I stick with the M3? Do I look at a Porsche Macan? What do I do? And, you know, we've got reality intertwined in there. And so I thought that was, uh, that was pretty interesting. And, and I think, uh, I forget the number of that, it was um, when we discussed the autonomous age that is upon us. If you go back to that, I think it was a couple podcasts ago, but uh, pretty amazing. That just came up in conversation the other day again. And I thought, man, Todd and I just <laughs> talked about that on the podcast. It was crazy.
0: Yeah, and I saw it, it. Must have been him or some somebody else that I saw a picture of that on Facebook or Twitter on our page. And, uh, yeah, it's it, it's just this three across car seat basically and It looked it was well designed and I, I don't know how wide it is or what how big the car needs to be for it to actually fit. If it can be something smaller, it needs to be bigger, but it was very cool. And there's definitely people that you know, if you have triplets, for example, well, you're going to yeah. need to do something like that. Yeah,
1: I mean that just. It, it was pretty funny and, uh, you know, just came up in conversation again. So it seems to be a thing. And uh, if you have suggestions on real life examples just like that, that uh, are something for Todd and I to debate or discuss, please write to us, of course, on the website, but everyday driver TV at Gmail. I, I just think that really resonated with a lot of people, just the intermixing of here's the realities and how do I combine that with the car I really want? Those sorts of situations. And that was really intriguing to explore with uh, with both he and I. So, anyway, I just put that out there because we noted the, yeah, how many people have been talking about it already. So, pretty funny and interesting.
0: <clears throat> yeah, that is pretty interesting. And speaking of older podcasts, on the last podcast, you and Todd talked about uh, some cars for Ed down in Phoenix. And you mentioned the, uh, <laughs> he was specifically looking for something convertible and four seats. And you, yeah. of course, went. With a two door convertible, I mean a, a two seat convertible. wow well. and it was an, an Aston Martin V8 Vantage, which you know it's a great great car. But the the whole time, and I'm I'm glad you went that route because that 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 was one of the first cars that came to my mind as well. But then I got curious and was like, well, what about the DB9? And you can get the DB9 within your budget, Ed. And they've got a rear seat, they're convertible. You can get paddle shifters. You can find them all day long within that budget.
1: That's right, everyone. Uh, the prior podcast. So that's number 155. As soon as Chance heard that, I got a text on my phone and <laughs> <laughs> it was Chance. And he said, yeah, that's great and all, but what about a DE9? But you actually started at the JAG XKRS. I did, I did. I did. Which I had looked at that and then I thought Ed had wanted a manual. And then turns out it wasn't. He He didn't want a manual. And so that car could work as well. We both thought of it. So. You know, I'm giving you no ground there, but I do like your DB9 idea. (laughs) It's pretty much Chance thinks I suggested the wrong Aston Martin for Ed. So, Ed, if you're listening, DB9s, and Chance is right, those are right around 65K, too. So, you know, but I I like the Vantage. You know, if
0: you're... If you're picking between Aston Martins, I mean, that's a good problem to have. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's very true. That's a good reminder. <laughs> that's very true. Well, uh, yeah, hopefully that helps. And uh, it's funny because yeah, if, if uh, even, we're even a little off or if he get, disagrees, we'll get texts from both Chance and Edgar. And they'll say, hey, what about this car? And uh, sometimes they're right. That, that was a great suggestion. At least I was in the Aston Martin you know, realm. Yeah, I was. You know. Yeah, uh, again, it was it was a great suggestion
0: too. I mean, uh, I'd pick a
1: advantage over a DB9 myself, but if you need the rear seats, it's hard <laughs> to go wrong. It's hard to go wrong. Well, we mentioned Mustangs earlier, and uh, I actually wanted to kind of snipe back at you about your project car because you've got a Mustang <laughs> that is languishing in your garage while you drive yeah. around in your BRZ, and I think we're all wanting to know what's uh, what's the schedule for 2017. Are you going to be? You know, working on it harder. Is it still going to be sitting there? I mean, what's what's going on? What are your plans?
0: Um. Well, I guess kind of more of a backstory. So I've I've had the car since two thousand one, and I was a freshman in high school when we got and the car. Run in
1: that time, yeah period?
0: it it has. So, okay. so it hasn't been a couple of years since ago. ago. Got it. All right. No, it has most of the time. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> but. <laughs> So it, it was a it's a sixty seven Mustang coupe, not a fastback. It it had a three oh two in it when we got it, and three speed automatic. And got the car running, did redone the suspension, did some basic stuff, and I was I, I actually daily drove the car for about a year here in Utah, even through winter. I've got some pictures I took. And this is how crazy photographers are, okay? So I went out to Utah Lake here during <laughs> during sunset in January. Of
1: course, you did. When it was
0: seventeen <laughs> degrees outside, and the car doesn't have it didn't have a working heater at the time. I, but the, the pictures turned out good, and it, it was worth it. But it was actually <laughs> it was about a week after that that the engine started acting funny. It was misfiring, and it just wasn't running right. I couldn't figure it out. So the plan was to just start rebuilding it. And uh, so I was talking to a friend about it and told him what was going on. And uh, he, a few days after that, he he sends me this text. He's like, hey, um, my neighbor is selling his 91 Mustang GT with the 505 speed. It's been tweaked a bit. It runs great selling it for a thousand bucks What? So like a thousand so bucks like, oh my god thousand dollars so I went and got went and looked at this car, test drove it, it ran great. It <clears> it looked a lot better in pictures. It was just a rust bucket, the interior was falling apart and but it was a, a five a five O with aftermarket heads, cam, bunch of stuff, fuel injection, so it's no longer carbureted. So I yanked that out of that car along with the transmission and I'm eventually going to put the rear end in it too. So I've converted the car from a three-speed auto to a five-speed manual, and now it's got 120-ish more horsepower than what it had before.
1: Okay, all right. Well, right,
0: well, right now it's technically zero more horsepower because it's not running. <laughs> right, it's it. <laughs> but,
1: it's it. So, I but, mean, uh, yeah, where are you at? I mean, moving yeah, forward. Yeah, that,
0: so that was three years ago, to give you a frame of reference. Oh, really? Okay, so and, it's uh, for a
1: while. <clears throat>
0: yeah, yeah. So uh, it's it's so close right now that i'm just i, I i'm ready i want it to, to to be running and but this time of year i'm trying to so what i'm doing now is i'm trying to find a way to heat my garage because i just moved into a new house right right and trying to you know musk up the the you know man up and go out into the cold to work on the car <laughs> <laughs> but I, appealing i'm down in the winter. to i get it i get it yeah but but so this year I because of having a house built and moving it it's been a struggle. I was hoping to have it done before I moved, but I didn't. I ran out of time. But uh, right now it's down to um, my fuel pump wiring, which I I wired up wrong. I, I fired up, tried to start the car, and the fuel pump doesn't kick on. It turns over, but it's not getting fuel. Okay, I'm pr- all right. I'm pretty sure I know what I did and what I need to do to fix it. It's just going out and doing it. In the cold. <laughs> and wi- In the cold and, and wiring wiring is just so daunting <laughs> to me. I, I don't like doing it. I, I'm afraid of it. I'd rather, if <laughs> I can, I'd rather someone else do it, to be honest. Sure, sure. <laughs> but, but I have that to do. I need to bleed the clutch, put up the, or uh, hook up the electric fan, and think in theory knock on wood it will start up and be drivable at that point
1: well i mean it needs a coat of paint and you know a few other things to hey, make it hey really I, uh...
0: I said drivable not looking nice <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh I'll, I'll put up a picture of it tomorrow on uh, or uh put up a picture for you guys on instagram we're recording the night before obviously so i'll, I'll throw something up on there so you guys can see what it looks like it's a primer gray and it it's it still looks cool and and actually it's it's amazing to me when i was driving it around how many people told me or had asked me that i should never change the way it looks they think it looks great the way it is and it's just beat up it's really? it's not perfect yeah uh, i mean i kind of see it cuz it it looks it looks pretty good as it is. It's got that, that raw, aggressive 60s muscle look to it, but it's it's kind of rat-rod looking, to be honest, and that's not really my style.
1: Yeah, but, I, I'm not seeing that coming from you, but... Uh, no. All right, well, so, yeah, throw up a picture for the folks and uh, you know, maybe the ones that you took way out in uh, January, whatever, three years ago when it was running. Yeah, like that. That. I'll, I'll
0: throw up one of those snow pictures for you. So, <laughs> the car, and I drove that, so... so give you a frame of reference with that too it's a 67 mustang so no no abs no traction control i was running it without snow tires at the time too so it was it, it wasn't as daunting as it sounds it it was it did pretty well in the snow considering but it it wasn't uh it wasn't the, the most awesome thing in the snow either
1: <laughs> i was gonna say or you could turn it into a drift machine i mean you know at least get some different kind of fun out of it but yeah it
0: did that a time or two <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm sure Well, I'm actually really glad that uh, we've got Chris from Indiana writing in because Chris chance is the guy after hearing his Mustang story there. He's the guy that shares kind of the, the thing that you have going on. and as I said, Chris is in Indiana. He's <clears throat> a, a bit of a larger guy, six foot four, 235 pounds, driven a lot of cars. And he's a photographer, professional photographer, and has a lot of gear to haul around. Sounds a, familiar. Well, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's so many similarities. You're a photographer. He's a photographer. You have a 67 Mustang. And get this. Chris has a 67 Pontiac LeMans that he's owned since 93. So over 20 years, which is his fun car. So... Interestingly, he's got this Mercedes E320 from 2005. That is the gear car. It's the wagon. All the photography gear fits in that, and it runs. It's good. But the fun car is the 67 LeMans, the Pontiac LeMans. And uh, was looking these up, and Chris, I have to agree with you. Definitely the uh, one of the better looking generations. It was the second generation, and uh, also interesting note, a uh, little bit of history there. The Transaxle and inline six is uh, something John DeLorean worked on on that car, but actually your car is the V8, the uh, the high output 285 horsepower V8 convertible, which you and your wife love very much. So they're they're coming to this sort of uh, place in their lives where they're looking at either get getting getting rid of both, getting rid of one. You know, I get it, and chance. I thought this kind of ties in because how many people commented, and you were just saying people loving the story and loving, you know, how it looks as is, which is happening with Chris's Pontiac LeMans here. People are, you know, loving it. It gets all kinds of attention, but it's yeah. an old car, and that's kind of where he's at. And so I thought you could you know, sort of commiserate a bit with Chris having both. You've got the modern BRZ and then, you know, this car, even though the Mustang's not running yet, you would have both. And here, Chris is at this point where he's got the the Mercedes and he's kind of asking us, what should I do? Should I, you know, just keep, keep it running? It's got 160,000 miles on it. It's doing fine. But what do I do for, you know, for the Pontiac? He's had it a long time. It's been a great car. But he's recently tasted Porsche 911s, and uh, <laughs> I, I didn't choose that just to steer it to Porsche. I, I promise I didn't. It was really more oh. more about you and he sort of commiserating on this and just, yeah, sort of having the feeling of both. And I'm kind of wondering what you think. Should he, you know, get rid of the Pontiac? Should he keep it? I mean, what kind of mix should he do here? Because what car will do it all for photography and gear and all that stuff. I mean, I thought you could speak to that better than anybody.
0: Yeah, and, and Chris did mention that this this Pontiac LeBarr has been it was a dream car of his and they they've loved they love driving it, but because it's an older car, it's not the most comfortable thing. It it lets it doesn't break the the air around them very well and it's after, it, it wears on them quickly. They can only drive around in it for an hour or two before they get worn out and want to go home. <laughs> right. Whereas right. they recently, this is what the Porsche came in, they recently uh, rented one in, on a trip to California, I think they said it was, and it was a convertible 911, and he just loved it. They were, spent all day in the thing, never got tired, and so he's he's having a bit of a, a pickle, and then he's got his, his wagon that's starting to show its age, and he's looking for something a little more fun than just the, the war wagon kind of thing. So, <laughs> nice. So, nice. so he gave us, he gave <laughs> us two different budgets here. This isn't a Paul limiter budget. This is a, a, a separate car budget. <laughs> so right. he, he gave us to replace the the Mercedes. He gave us 15,000 for a daily driver. And if he's going to get rid of the, the Pontiac, he gave us 30,000 for a fun car. And, one of the things he, he specifically looked for, mentioned, was after having that Porsche experience, was possibly getting rid of the Pontiac to get the 911, specifically a 996 or 997 Cabriolet. And I was looking at those and thought, you know, they're they're great, but they'd also be, within that price range, you can find 996s all day long. Oh, But yeah. finding in the 997s, even the earlier ones, the, the ones you'll find will be high mileage you may or may not want them. They might be beat up, or who knows. But he also did say that that he'd rather pay for maintenance than than uh, depreciation. He doesn't care about depreciation as much.
1: I noticed that too. That that kind of intrigued me, to be honest.
0: Yeah. So so I went. I actually went both directions here, just to give him give them you know good cop, bad cop, I guess.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: All right. And uh, so. If he's gonna get look at the the 911s, I'd, I'd say go look at the Porsche Boxster, because you, they're a little bit cheaper, they're a little smaller. So being your your height, you may want to sit in one first, because it may be a little tight. But you can find those all day long within that budget. But being an old car and having it as long as you have, and having the memories and the stories behind it, I get the feeling you don't really. Want to get rid of it? And once you, if you were to start listing it and get people interested in actually giving you offers, you'll probably back out, just because so? of the maybe. I know I would if it was mine, just because of all the memories and it's it's a, a classic car and it was the dream car and it, that'd be hard to let go of.
1: Yeah, I mean the memories and you know all the yeah fun times that you've had with it. I okay,
0: all right, all right. So. I came up with two alternatives for the Mercedes. Uh, as um, So the, the two cars I came up with, one of them is it's smaller than the Mercedes. One of the things he said he liked about that, that E320 was its size and all the cubbies and just uh, the usability of it. So the, the first one I, I thought of, and the reason why I bring it up is because another professional photographer friend of mine locally he has one of these and loves it, and he he goes to all the shoots, takes his gear in it. Okay. And it's the uh, the Subaru XV Crosstrek. Okay.
1: So it's that, it's all like right.
0: the it's kind of the Impreza Outback type thing, They're a little taller. Chris did mention <laughs> that he he goes on a lot of hiking trips and and things like that, so it'd be a car you can go out and beat up on dirt roads, and not really have to worry about it. And you can get those, the older ones, with a little bit of mileage on them, you can get those within your $15,000 budget. But you might spend a little bit more looking for one of those. But the other car, and this, this one I think is the real winner. The other car I found, it's a lot more similar to what he's already got. It's similar in size. It's still German. and It's a, <laughs> a 2010 BMW 5 Series, a 535i X-Drive wagon. And this specific one has, uh, where'd the mileage go? It's got it's got ninety one thousand miles. So it's not not the lowest mileage, but the guy's asking sixteen thousand for it. And it hmm. so and it looks like it's in great shape. Uh, I don't know if it's an automatic or a manual or not. It's it's a it's a DSG, so it's it's an automatic. So and it would be a fun car. And it would be f- more fun than the Mercedes, perhaps. So that that's kind of what where I landed. Where'd you end up going with it?
1: That's well. It sounds like you're kind of leaning that way, and not that you're a foregone conclusion by any means. I just thought, you know, having the older car exactly the same year as Chris here, I kind of wondered if you would go in that direction of keeping the older car because of the memories, because of the you know they don't make them like they used to kind of thing. And I just, I, I find that really interesting. And it turns out Chris was looking at an 08 BMW 535 wagon that he was about to plunk down for. So I, I'm fascinated that you went that direction. So you're saying keep the Pontiac and go for, just replace the wagon for the do-it-all car? Is that kind of where you're leaning?
0: Yeah. Okay. One of the other cars that I initially looked at was actually the, he, he even mentioned it in his email, was the the Legacy GT wagon. Those from 10 years ago, the 2008 kind of range. He, he mentioned possibly tracking a car, and I, I instantly thought that one, because my first time shooting at the track here, there was a Legacy GT wagon that was at the track, and he was the fastest in his class. It was really? a pretty ballin' car, yeah. And so I looked at those, but most of those I saw they were really high mileage i don't know if you'd really want to go that route to to be honest but that was kind of why i I went the bmw route because you know it's the the performance car it's the 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 ultimate driving machine it's
1: it should do it all right yeah yeah it should do it all i uh well to answer your question i thought about a, a bunch of different scenarios because, as you said, the budget was fifteen for the daily and about thirty thousand if he were to replace the Pontiac. And I thought, what if you sold both cars and theoretically worked with about forty five thousand dollars, but that means you're now down to one car. I suppose you could split that up again on two, but being a photographer, having all the gear you guys do, and still wanting the feeling that he and his wife have in the Pontiac with the convertible. Just the, you know, friendly people coming up up to him and talking to him. And, you know, the, the new thing that he's discovered with nine 9-11s, that really fun to drive aspect. I'm thinking, what car can really do everything that carries all that gear and is a convertible? And by the way, something that, uh, that he mentioned also, they have a dog. It's a Belgian Malinois, which I looked up. I did not know this this breed. It's similar to a Belgian German Shepherd. Very lean-looking dog. Beautiful dogs, and it's uh, the dog's name is George. So George goes with them nearly everywhere they go. I'm thinking, wow, throw that into the mix. Not only is he, you know, needing gear, but you know, if George hops in the car, okay, now what? What, what could that be? So I kind of went the different route, and I thought, well, if the E320 is there, yes, it's high miles, but if you don't mind continuing to maintain it and keep it running, it'll probably go 200, 220, 230, easy, no problem. And I kind of say, get rid of the Pontiac. But now I say this from never having owned a classic, like, you know, a real classic like you guys own. So I cannot be too dismissive of the memories And just the fun, because Chris points out in his email, they get so many people walking up to him, just engaging them in conversation, friendly people that just want to talk about old cars and, hey, my dad had this or, you know, I remember this car, stuff like that. And that's part of the fun, honestly. So I can't be too dismissive of memories like that. But I just thought you've had it for so long. Maybe it is time to move on. And I wonder if it's at a place where that car is fairly rare, Chris. As I mentioned before, it's got the V8. Most of those Le Mans Tempest had the inline six. So this is kind of a rare car. Four barrel, barrel carb, 326 V8, a lot of power. It wasn't quite a GTO, but kind of nearly. And so mm-hmm. I thought maybe you could get some coin for it. And as he said, maybe 30 grand to work with. <clears throat> now. As you said, I like the fact that 911s are attainable, but you're right. It's going to be 996 convertibles or early 997s. And I found a 997 from 2005, $34,000 with 51,000 miles. So not too many six-speed manual could be good. I mean, I know it'll be good, but I mean, could work for you. But then I think, you know, as much as I want to say, go get the Porsche, I come back to newer Mustangs and so where I landed was get this this is this is crazy everybody's shaking their heads in disbelief you can get a 2016 Ford Mustang GT convertible for about 34,000 11,000 miles that's a genuinely fun car and it's going to have enough backseat space for George the dog it's going to be a convertible it's a modern car they can just rely on and I still think that chassis is going to be a lot of fun to drive because it's got the independent rear now, a lot of power. And being a new car, but it still channels sort of the old looking back towards heritage and history, the thing that you love so much about the Pontiac. I know it sounds weird being that it's a Mustang because, I mean, I could argue that it's kind of typical. I mean, even though your Mustang is not, a newer Mustang seems like a rental car or, You know, everybody has a Mustang. They're so prolific. There's so many of them on the road. But maybe if that sort of is the new car, it does more, you know, it's got the convertible feeling. It sounds, Chris, like you guys like the convertible open air kind of motoring a little bit more than just, you know, the hardcore driving, canyon driving. So maybe that fits the bill. And I'm out on a limb here with not backing away from Porsche. (laughs) By any means, <laughs> not by any means, but I, I'm kind of out on a limb thinking, keep the wagon, it'll run for a while longer, and you can replace that down the road. But uh, what about this? What about a Mustang? I'm wondering, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, too, because I actually did think of that. The, you did. you know, Must Yeah, I did think of the new Mustangs, the new Camaros, as you can get those convertibles even a year or two old for... Within thirty thousand dollars, pretty easy. It'll be faster. It'll be more, maybe, maybe more enjoyable, depending on how you, what your definition of enjoyable is with the old car versus new. Right, right. That's what I was trying but,
1: to dice up. So,
0: but the the whole, I, I I don't know. It's it's tough because you got all that nostalgia. You got all those memories and just the 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 coolness of an old car. The old. The, in my opinion, old cars are almost always going to be more cool than the new cars, especially from that era.
1: Like yeah, like you, yeah. How, when's the, the last
0: time you saw a '67 Le Mans convertible? I I, mean, I that, especially outside of a car show.
1: I not and, outside of cars and coffee or something like that. No.
0: And and comparatively, when's the last time you saw a Mustang convertible? Probably today. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yeah, and that's why I thought, well, cool new car, but then it just, like I said, they're so prolific they're everywhere and maybe not as cool the cool factor is what it comes down to or you could just go get a 911 cabriolet i you know not terrible yeah
0: and and on on that same note when i was at the the salt flats earlier this year shooting uh, world of speed it's one of the, the land speed racer events and there was a guy out there who he had brought his nineteen sixty nine Charger Daytona, so it's a big winged car out to the Salt Flats. It was oh, unrestored. Wow. He had bought it in uh, nineteen seventy six, I think he said. And he had all everything he needed to restore the car, but he said I, I he just can't do it because as soon as he restores it, all those dents that have the stories go away. And so it's an interesting uh. it's an interesting way of thinking. I, I don't necessarily agree with that. But I I get it with the whole, you know, keep hanging on to something because of the memories it gives you.
1: Yeah. Well, if he keeps driving that car out to the salt flats, he's going to have to restore it because it's going to fall <laughs> apart. So. <laughs> yeah. No wh- kidding. You know, why on earth would you do that to that car? I mean. <laughs> but you know, sweet car, sweet ride. I mean, yeah. You know, yeah. he could get a lot of money for that thing. But all right, well, Chris, you're going to have to. Uh, Take this and weigh all this, and uh, as we say, please write to us and uh, let us know what happens. And uh, hopefully, that's helpful. Uh, it's I, I can always argue Porsche, but uh, I think what it comes down to is the memories and and looking back while trying to move forward with a new new purchase. So please let us know. In the meantime, we will jump to Adam, who has a very very different story here, and I. Pick this up, Adam, because I I really appreciate you writing in to us. This is a bit – well, it's a lot different because Chance and I could be debating a lot about this. But I want you to Mm -hmm. hear the story. I want you all to hear the story first. And it's fairly short. And what it is is Adam's father bought him a 2015 Honda Accord, so a brand-new Honda Accord two years ago upon his graduation, so it was a gift car for about $23,000. The problem that Adam has is his father didn't tell him about it prior to purchasing it for him. He just went and did it and got him a brand new Accord and gave it to him. There was another thing. It was a manual transmission and he couldn't drive it initially because he didn't know how to drive a manual transmission car. So here's Adam now having driven it for almost two years and his emotions are tending less toward gratitude and more towards annoyance that I I suppose the uh, presupposition that I'm going to just get you a car without even asking you what you like, here you go. Has that ever happened to you? I I just found this so interesting and intriguing. It's never happened to me.
0: (laughs) Me either. Uh, I I do think, you know, it's it's not uncommon for people to give cars for college graduations, even high school graduations. Sure. But I've always wondered about that. I mean, how do you go about picking a car for somebody as a gift? And you, know, I guess, if you're someone who doesn't really care and you actually need a car, <laughs> you'll be just happy with whatever it is. Sure. But as a car guy, it's kind of like, oh, I uh, don't really care for those, but thanks, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> thanks, I think. And, and it's I, like a white elephant I, gift from the car world, is it not?
0: Yeah, and I think that's kind of how Adam's feeling. It's not that he's ungrateful, because I'm sure he's just happy that he's got a new car. But it's something that he said he's never really gotten to fall in love with. He's just he's tried so hard to enjoy this car and it's just not happening. I guess it's, it's his appliance yeah. is what it's kind of become. Yeah. And he, <laughs> he, his first car was a Honda civic, a 2001 civic. So I guess Honda ran in the family. So I guess that kind of, def- his dad just went that way. Cause that's what he had before was a Honda. And, and uh, I guess to add more to the story, he's got a reservation on a Tesla model three But he's not expecting, well, like anybody, they're not expecting it for at least three (laughs) years—a long, long (laughs) a long, long time. So he's (laughs) looking for something that can be more enjoyable in the meantime, or he's also asking: should he just suck it up and and you know keep driving this car? Is it is it better than he thinks it is? And to that, I will say, we have a friend here in the Park City Car Clubs named Sasha. and, and uh, he's got a Honda Accord. It's a newer one. I don't remember what year it is, but it's it's a four cylinder. It's a automatic CVT. Yep. And and he's had that thing at the track. He took it to the <laughs> yeah. same track day that I went to in my BRZ, and he passed me on the track. Did he really? <laughs> I, I don't know if that's because I was being more cautious than he was, or I'm just that darn slow. But he passed me his his Honda Accord, and. So I, I have to think that it's probably a better car than you're thinking it is, but at the same time I get it. It's not like, it's not a BMW. It's not a, a Tesla. It doesn't have that power. It doesn't have that fun factor that he's looking for. And so yeah, I I thought of two cars for him that I think will be would be great to hold him over for the new Tesla. Okay, and the first. The first one I thought of, it's kind of along the same lines as the Honda, but it's a lot more fun to drive. It's the same size. It's within the same price. It'll be well within his budget. He didn't give us an actual budget, so I I was just stuck between twenty and thirty thousand, figuring you know he's got a Model S. I mean a Model Three on order. True. Right. And he's he's looking at selling this car. <clears throat> so the car, the two cars, I landed on. The first one was the the. the new Mazda 6 you can they're available in both automatic and manual if you still wanted a manual or if you wanted to go in automatic they're fun to drive they'll have just as much space they look they look really nice I mean I've I've driven them and I loved it they are a little bit I I don't know how they compare to the Honda on power but they are not the, they're not the most powerful car on the planet, but they that, that chassis is just so good. I know we, you guys talk about the Mazda 3 all the time, and the Mazda 6 is just as good a chassis.
1: You think it's going to be better chassis, better dynamics than the Accord?
0: I do. I do think that. I mean, it's, I think it's a little lighter. I could be wrong on that. But Mazda's also known for being just a sporty driving car and the Mazda six I I used to have a 2006 Mazda six and I loved that thing I wish I never got rid of it to be honest Hmm. but the that was just a fun car to drive and uh, then the the other car I thought of and this is taking it a little bit further it's kind of an in-betweener between the Honda and the Tesla in size I think or no it's more closer related to the Tesla in size it's the uh, the new BMW 3 series which is exactly the size everyone's saying the Model 3 is supposed to be. Right, right. So that way you'll have a fun <laughs> car in the meantime. You can get the 335s within your budget, used of course, not new. And you'll be able to see that size and see if that's something that'll work for you when you get when you get your 3. The 3'll 3 have more luggage space because there's, you know, no engine up front. But <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but you'll you'll be able to to kind of get an idea of what that size is like
1: interesting well i uh i'm with you and adam i uh i understand adam is waffling between saying am i a spoiled brat here or should i just you know as you said suck it up and be grateful for what i got you know the fact that it's it's rare i think that you know your your parents would just buy you a brand new car here you go but it's also kind of a bummer that they didn't ask you what you want. So I really – I can see it. You're waffling back and forth. So you have no sense of ownership in the Accord. It just is sort of there and you're just sort of borrowing it. And apparently Tesla has just entirely captivated your attention. And I'm glad that you have an order put down. I mean many people do and as Todd and I keep saying, it's going to be a while because uh, you know everybody else – is uh, waiting behind, you know, employees and, and uh, prior owners, you know, already existing Tesla owners. So I, uh, I get it. I think it, I think it's not rude to sell the accord because you need some fun. I think you need some therapy between now and when that Tesla arrives. And by therapy, I mean turbo. I think you need a turbo in your life. And that might change your opinion of Tesla. I mean, it's going to be quick off the line, of course, being electric. But I'm just wondering about selling the Accord, selling it outright for as much as you can get for that. Could you bank that money for the time being? Instead of putting it towards another car, save up for that Model 3 or just bank it altogether. Do you have the income and could you go lease something like the hot hatches we keep suggesting, the Fiesta ST, a GTI, maybe even Hmm. a Golf R? But let's just stay inexpensive. Let's let's just stick with a Fiesta ST. It's a great fun car, and it's something you would choose. Again, I'm trying to get get you to something that is interimtherapy.com, trademarked, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> um, just just something. I I think you need a turbo. I think you just need to laugh and giggle and you know shift your own gears for yourself and all that stuff and and allow yourself. To choose something in the meantime. Even though the Tesla's coming, it's still a bit of a mystery. It's still a ways off. And what if you got a two or three year lease on just a little fun rocket ship that you're going to giggle every time you drive it, but knowing that you'll get rid of it, knowing that you're going to have fun now. And I will quote Todd in saying, he helped me get rid of my first Cayman because he said, you don't have to dislike a car to get rid of it. Now, here Adam is disliking his Honda Accord, but if you get a new car, something fun and hot and turbo-y and quick and nimble and all that stuff, you don't have to hate it to get rid of the Tesla. It's just going to be a bit of a fun Band-Aid in the meantime. I, I digress, but uh, you know what I mean? I'm just – I'm thinking even if you just sell the Accord and put that money towards a Fiesta ST, Todd and I have been finding them in the $14,000, $16,000 range so you could easily go get one of those things and yeah. just have a hoot. Just go enjoy yourself and take the pressure off yourself. Allow yourself, give your give yourself permission to just say, thanks, Dad, I, I used the Accord. It's a springboard for me, but I wanna choose my own car. I wanna do what's right for me. And so I liked your suggestions as well, Chance. I'm just thinking, it, it sounds like you and I are both in agreement of get rid of the Accord, not because it's a bad car, but because it doesn't represent you, Adam. It doesn't represent your own choice. So that's where I'm at with, uh, with him. It's so different, though. Yeah, and
0: I, I think there's one other option that, we, that neither one of us really talked about, but this is certainly – uh, it's probably not his most favorite option. But you can always keep the accord and just – But I, I say this because if I'm, I'm assuming since your dad bought it, you're not making payments on it. So you can keep banking that and not have a car payment for the next you know three years. True. True. And and put that towards the Tesla, or put it towards you know paying off student loans or whatever whatever else you need to do. Will he and, be
1: gnashing his teeth in hatred of this? Yeah. Thing, so, yeah. I, mean, I, I, I just
0: though? I throw that out there just as a, a financial advisory, I guess. I just I just think it needs to be said,
1: but okay. Fair
0: obviously enough. do obviously do what you'd rather do and get yourself a fun car. Of course we
1: 're here to spend your money we 're here to encourage you to go get what you want adam and and uh, hopefully this gives you permission to go and do that so yeah, again, write to us. let us know what uh, what happens with that. really appreciate your writing and again, if you have your own debate on the Facebook page, uh, sorry, not on the Facebook page. That's for uh, quick questions, but on our website and Everyday Driver TV at Gmail. Our, uh, our Facebook questions are really something we should transition to now, but I always ask for those just as a, a quick, you know, hey, what's on your mind? It could be newsworthy. It could be all kinds of stuff, and uh, I put that out there again today, and uh, refreshing the page here, there's quite a few of them that came in. You guys, again, are continuing to shock me by where your heads are at, I, I, and I mean that in yeah. a good way. With all the creativity on here, did you notice this? Did you read through this, Chance? Uh,
0: I did. I'm just going to jump right in here to, to Charlie James's question. <laughs> he, Charlie, he's hello. He's asking, <laughs> he's asking if there's there's any news on the GTS M2. And based on what we just heard, I, 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 is Paul alluding that the GTS was just a band aid for his his, his no, M2? No, uh, I, I do not say that. What don't are know. You I have to take <laughs> my own medicine. I have to. <laughs> do as i say kids not as i do right (laughs) yeah i mean it it could happen you never know (laughs) (laughs) i love
1: my caiman though i love it it's it's yeah i love it i'm not sure we'll see but uh yeah charlie thanks for writing uh of course charlie is um in germany and lives close to the mothership so he just ordered one congrats on that charlie and uh yeah, the uh, GTS versus the M2. Currently, that film is on the Icon Blu-ray. It's also online on YouTube. But uh, we'll just have to see. And I keep telling everybody, why can't they live together in the same garage, happily, in harmony? <laughs> different cars, different things. So we'll, we'll see on that. Uh, I also have to laugh, uh, scrolling down here to Peter Rona's question here. He says, Paul, here's your chance. He says, Todd reigns me in with some of the comments that I make on the podcast, but now's my chance. What have I wanted to say on the podcast but too scared to say it in front of Todd? Well, <clears throat> news, Peter. Uh, Todd is listening currently and laughing. I can, I can hear him laughing now because of what I said up front. We listened to the podcast just to, as a check through. But, you know, it's uh, sometimes maybe it's a good thing he reins me in before I go too far into the weeds or too far down a rabbit trail. that uh, gets weird really quick. But uh, I guess nothing. I'm just laughing at that because uh, it, it's... <laughs> uh, well, uh,
0: here here's the other thing. You got Chance sitting here
1: across the mic from you. So, I mean, well, right. <laughs> Bad
0: joke. I had to say it, though. That's true. That's true.
1: <laughs> well, uh, nothing on my mind. Nothing really pops to mind. But uh, I, I appreciate you encouraging me, and maybe I'll push that further in the future. But... Not to get too strange and crazy with things, but uh, anyway, thanks for writing in, Peter. Uh, What else? There's a load of questions. There's some great questions in here. Uh, hmm, hmm, hmm. I think I'm going
0: to go with uh, Ken Ken Cal really quick. He's got a quick question. Favorite exhaust notes? And I'm I'm sure this, you guys you have touched on this before. Besides a flat but... six,
1: is that kind of the caveat there?
0: <laughs> you just keep drinking away there, Paul. I just do. Keep chugging. I got a glass of <laughs> uh, glass of it right here. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, well, I, I'm gonna drink on the other side. the the The, the Mustang GT350 has got to be one of the best sounding V8s out there right now. Yeah. And but my one of my favorite sounding cars of all time has got to be the old. GT40s, listening to them scream Ooh. down the straightaways, down down the Mulsanne straight or at, at the track. Just, it, it sends chills down my spine just thinking about
1: it. Good one. I like that. I'm with you on the GT350, but I will add the Jaguar F-Type R. That's just the most crackly, beautiful noise I've heard in a long time. And again, that's beside flat sixes and all that jazz, but uh, I love V8s. It's got to be... You know, V8s just have that right sound to them that we won't get with the coming electronic, electric age. But, uh, it'll start sounding like the Jetsons, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Well, uh, Ross Ballot writes in about our automotive hopes and aspirations for 2017. And I will say, Ross, I want to continue honing my own driving skills. Uh, Todd and I are looking at some good big announcements for 2017 that we're still mulling. Can't say more than that at this point for this podcast, but uh, we've got a lot of, uh, lot of things that we're thinking about, and uh, I, I hope even half of them come true. Uh, we, we keep dreaming dreaming big, and I think that's what pushes Todd and I on, and uh, I think hopefully inspires Chance and Edgar, and, and uh, we couldn't do it without their help. That's for sure. Um, for me, yeah, it's uh, continuing to get track time, of course, continuing to push my own driving skills, getting in some fun, hot stuff and sharing it with, with everybody. I mean, that's the creativity, the outlet that we started this and, and uh, want to keep that going, but still hone skills and, and, you know, refine the show further. I think um, yeah. that's, that's the biggest thing.
0: Yeah, and uh, for for me, I, I want to get the Mustang running. I want to get that. Just gonna say, I glad you said that. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's that. Uh, and there's potential of me upgrading from the BRZ to something else. I'm not gonna say to what yet, but I, I, I've, I've got something on my in my sights. Yes, you do. Uh, as as that was kind of brought up last week by you guys. Thanks for that. <laughs> but, we have to uh, poke
1: you, even when you're not on the air. Here, we have to poke. Yeah. you,
0: Yeah. Yeah, but I, I also want. Uh, I, I didn't get to go on the trip this year, but I, I'm I'm hoping to get to go with you guys on pilgrimages here and, and get to experience the ring and spa and just see Europe. I've never been to Europe anywhere, and it's always been a, a dream of mine. And uh, speaking of that, let's see where is it? I saw someone ask a question about. Uh, oh, here it is, Ed Edmonds. I'll. Edmund Alonso, Olguin. Although I probably butchered that, but says which cars are fast on the track and feel surprisingly slow at everyday speeds. And well, the BRZ is kind of one of them. The FRS, they they feel quick around the track. They really do. You're passing things like WRXs and other faster cars with more power, but then out on the road, you're just kind of cruising along. You you go around to make a pass on somebody and you. Don't necessarily get anywhere. <laughs> Put your foot <laughs> down, and you don't go
1: anywhere. No, I, I'm with you. It's the cars that are seemingly underpowered, Edmund, and the BRZ FRS is a great example of that. Because on a track and in canyons, you can hold your speed. You can you can carry your speed through the corners. Of course, that's you know what you want to do in in track driving, but. Uh, on street driving, you have to come to a stop. You have to brake. You have to slow for other cars, all those kinds of things. Much different than uh, than the track where you can just keep your speed, hang on through corners, and you know nimble cars that are underpowered seemingly just come alive on the track. So, yeah, you, you really touched on it. It's more of the underpowered cars because, of course, a powerful car is going to be fast on the street, fast away from a stoplight. Fast on yeah. an on-ramp, all those kinds of things. You can just put your foot in it. But the cars that you have to really work hard to to keep your speed and and you know a, account for that, those are. It's just a totally different experience on the street. So, I thought that was a, a pretty good question. Something uh, something that you know you don't really think about all the time. But you know, when you, probably when you're in your car, even with the tune, you're going, <laughs> "Come on, go, baby, go!" And yeah. Yeah. You wish you had more. I, right? I, I, I
0: lo- Don't get me wrong. I love the car, but there was just sometimes it's just, yeah, okay, this is definitely not the fastest thing out here. You're not going to win many drag races, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, you're not, but that's all right. It's still a fun car to drive, especially with the right tires, everyone. Tires. Uh, what else? Michael DeVitro has asked us, have we ever been given or been gifted a rental car? And by what he means here is an exotic rental Or you know, a day in a car just as a gift. Here, go have fun. And I've heard of people doing this. And I will admit to a, I guess you could chalk it up to a a poor attitude on my part. uh, A number of years ago, when somebody gave me a gift of a lap in a NASCAR car on track, but I didn't get to drive. It was only a ride along. So it made it you know an inexpensive gift, which was very nice. And they were thinking of me, and I this memory came flooding back, I admit to a a poor attitude because I thought, well, if I don't get to drive, I don't want to go. And I never actually went. It wasn't the Richard Petty school. (laughs) It was some other uh, unknown school. And I thought, "Eh, I don't know if I should trust this. It's not a big name. I don't know if they're, if they really know what they're doing. So there's a little bit of trepidation on my part, if they were truly on the up and up, but I never followed it up. I never, I never pursued it and never ended up, uh, doing that. I just, I kind of – looking back, I suppose, yeah, I kind of regret it now. just would have been fun to even ride along, but I'm just – I always want to drive. I always want to do it myself. Yeah. Uh, so, so no, I guess that was the only time, and the same people have never given me <laughs> another car gift again. <laughs> the, the, you know. the only
0: thing similar to that that I have uh, – it wasn't really a rental car, but back when I worked for the the Porsche Audi dealer here, um, one of my, my last – Things that I was allowed to do, we we had. <laughs> <laughs> funnily enough, it was when the, the new Boxster came out, the current one, and so we did a launch launch party at Sundance, and they. Oh wow. wow! We brought a whole bunch of different cars up there. Not only Porsches, we brought some of the Audis up there as well. And that weekend happened to be my wife's birthday. And so they they graciously let me borrow one of the Audi A4s. It's granted, it's just the a lowly the a, lowly A4. Still, but, but they let us borrow the A4 for the weekend. It was brand new. It had I don't know less than a hundred miles on the thing. And give
1: back with a thousand miles on it. No, we, Thank we you. drove
0: it. We <laughs> drove it a fair bit, we, and we we took it up some canyons. And granted, it's not the most awesome canyon carving car, but it, it was still a lot of fun. And just that experience is something I'll never forget. Even and it was a, a great send off for when I left the left working for
1: them. Interesting, well, that's that's pretty cool. I I, yeah, nobody's ever uh, tossed me the keys to the car. We've always had to approach manufacturers. They kind of do now, which is great because we get to share it with all of you. But uh, yeah, back in the day, that never really happened. It's kind of a rare thing. So, anyway, mm-hmm. I'm wondering if uh, if you're sort of angling for a uh, for a gift here, Michael. I'm wondering if you're sort of putting that out there hey friends and family i'm kind of wanting an exotic you know car rental day with an exotic car but uh (laughs) anyway good question so uh what else
0: uh lucas lucas uh i'm picking all the hard names (laughs) lucas see you yeah see uh Seward, there we go. Uh, he's asking driver oriented vacation destinations like what would be our, our dream one if we took, took a car somewhere, took our own car somewhere in the world and just plopped it down and went and drove? Uh, I've actually given this a lot of thought before you even asked this question. I've got a really
1: okay. a,
0: a dream vacation that I would love to do someday, and that would be to fly into Rome and. This would probably take two weeks to do to do it right, anyways. Maybe even three. Who knows? Fly into Rome and then drive along the Italian Riviera, up towards you know Pagani, Lamborghini, Ferrari. Go visit those places, and then drive along the Italian and French Riviera to over to Monaco and Nice. Yeah. Up, <laughs> up the uh, the route Napoleon, across the Alps to the Stelvio. And then down back through uh, what, what's the town? I forget the name of the city that's up there. And then back down to Rome, and then fly home. Just do this big <laughs> loop of of northern northern Italy and southern France. I think that would just be awesome.
1: What kind of car would you be driving?
0: Well, his question asks his question asks to drive my own car, which would also be great. But okay, All right. I, I'm I'm thinking something. European exotic maybe a convertible of some sort I don't know a giotto spider or something like that I think hmm. would just be awesome
1: hmm all right all right well I, I love that you picked this question because mine also involves Italy funny enough I uh, my former employer did this trip and it just lit up every endorphin in my brain possible. I worked as a furniture designer for uh, for a while, actually, doing a lot of furniture more on the modern end, modern, uh, modern side of things for financial service firms and a lot of outdoor furniture, cabanas, poolside stuff. So a lot of the furniture that I've done, I've actually found in hotel rooms, various hotels, and a lot of Vegas hotels, Dubai hotels, Disney cruise ships, those kind of things. So... Uh, nothing like, you know, lazy boy kind of stuff, but definitely more in the clean, crisp, modern, beautiful, artistic. And furniture really hits a – a touches a spot in me like cars do, interestingly enough. I love beautiful <laughs> furniture. I love Italian furniture, modern, all that stuff. And so my employer bought a brand-new Porsche 911 back in 2006.
0: Of course it was a Porsche.
1: Of course it was Porsche. He took delivery of it in Stuttgart. He flew to Stuttgart, took delivery of it, immediately hopped on the Autobahn and drove over the Swiss Alps to the Salon del Mobile in Milan. So this is the massive furniture show with all the cool new stuff in Milan in April, which is a furniture show I'd love to go to. So he went to the show, then drove it back up to, I think it was Stad in Switzerland, one of the top ski areas that you can almost ski year-round. Went skiing for the weekend and then returned the car to Stuttgart where it was shipped home to his house. So he had a vacation, kind of squeezed some work in there by going to the show and then flew home. And uh, I just thought, man, (laughs) skiing, furniture, high-speed driving, Porsches, of course – and all in Italy, Switzerland, and Germany. I, yeah, stick a fork in me. So maybe we need to do that <laughs> as, a, as a trip. But I sure like yours. I mean, Monaco, of course, is amazing, and anything involving Monaco and Italy, and you know, driving something awesome. And uh, yeah, especially for my car, I'd, I'd love that. Yeah. So, I just I knew exactly, Lucas, when you asked that question. That was the trip. It just popped into my head. I knew that's exactly what I wanted to do. And, uh, I mean, you get to see cool designs. You get to be in the heart of fashion in Milan, furniture, clothing, the heart of design. I mean, come on. You can ask an Italian busboy for design help, and they'll knock out a sculpture of Michelangelo for you. I mean, they know what they're doing, anything involving Italian design. They just knock off all the parts that don't look good. There you go. Here's your marble sculpture. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> uh, what else? So, Any other questions strike you here, Chance, before we... Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, there, there's,
0: there's two more I had really quick. Uh, Greg Scantaberry asks, there's so much remembrance of the last of something, you know, the last great gated manual shifter, the last hydraulic steering, last naturally aspirated engine, but he's, he's flipping it around on us, though. What is the, the, the first one that we should celebrate? So... The the one that comes to my mind is is things like the the first car with disc brakes or the first you know that that brings up new technology that that we I don't know maybe take for granted today. And uh, if I remember right, the first car with disc brakes was the uh, the Jaguar Series Two, which uh, it's it's I think they're a gorgeous car and they they were known as the the getaway car in, in
1: Britain. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> But uh, do do you have any thoughts on that at all? I'm looking to the I'm looking forward to the first affordable electric fun car. Tesla's done it with the Roadster, but I can't say it was affordable. They've yeah, had true. the Roadster; that was a fun car, and there have been other cars in that realm. But it's you know, as you know, in conjunction with Lotus, that's how it was built. They're still used; they're still pushing seventy thousand dollars at least. So I would say the first electric fun car that is really accessible because electric cars from here on out are going to be very not pedestrian, but they're just going to be function like a model S or model X or whatever's coming from the other uh, electric startups. But somebody needs to come back out with something that's affordable in the 25 to 35,000 range. That is just something we all have to have like we talk about the GTI, the WRX, the BRZ, the FRS, Honda S2000, all those that realm of cars that enthusiasts love, something in there. That's that's kind of what I'm looking forward to.
0: Yeah, and I think that will come with a little more practice and research and development and things like that once they you know really nail down their Electric driving dynamics. Yeah. You know, electric
1: steering only, is only so good right now and things like that. Exactly. And the S2000 did that and did it well, but it went away. And so, you know, who's we, we keep chasing it. Who's the, the first again to, to put something back on the market that we really love and marvel at the fact that it's all electric yeah. and it has such great feel and all that stuff? Yeah, you touched right on it. So, yeah. agreed. So,
0: so one one more question. Uh, Christopher Gatsky asked, "What's our favorite hood ornament and why?" Uh, I've always liked the uh, the old Pontiac Chieftains. I don't know if you remember those at all, but mm. the the hood ornament looked like a a Native American Indian chief. <laughs> He's had the feathers and everything, the headdress. But at night, when the lights were on, it lit up. It had a light inside of it. Oh uh, really? I always no kidding. I always thought that was the coolest thing ever. You don't see them very often, and they're they're not you know, the most extravagant, you know, they're not like a Duesenberg hood ornament or Packard or anything like that, but they're, they're just, they were, I thought they were so cool just because I think it was the light when I when I first saw it, I was a kid, but that that was just always one of the, my favorite hood ornaments.
1: That's funny. It used to be such a thing and now it's almost just a sticker, you know, even Porsche is yeah. guilty of that with their high-end cars, their, their race cars. It's just a sticker and I understand the reason for it, but it used to be such a thing, and you mentioned Packard and Duesenberg. I love the Flying Ladies from the '30s, and the uh, Lalique glass ornaments from those early cars, and especially the 1930 Packard Phaeton sedan. That is, it just—it's sculpture and emotion and all of yeah. this stuff encapsulated in a hood ornament, which is hard to do. And I—we've never been asked that question before, so. I love it when they were actually large and sculptural and a beautiful thing. You could almost have that as sculpture in an art gallery and light them up and display it. And I'm wondering if someone already has. Anyway, um, but great questions, everyone. Thank you so much. We will leave it there as the last podcast for 2016. So if you're listening to this way, way in the future, hopefully it's still uh, fun for you, fun to listen to. And we thank you so much for all your great questions this year. Look forward to us, uh, to Todd and I being back first thing in 2017, hopefully with uh, some announcements. I will just, uh, again, leave it there. I'm alluding to a few things, but (laughs) a lot of things bubbling. For now, we need some time off just to relax. And uh, I hope you do too. And Chance, thanks for being on. Really, really appreciate your assistance and and your great input because, yeah, we had some great, great questions here. And I I like your different perspective, where you're coming from, especially – Having the Mustang that you do, it uh, it always is a great, different perspective and and uh, is a nice compliment. So thank you for being on.
0: Well, thanks for having me, and I'm happy to help fill in.
1: Appreciate it. Well, everyone, again, thank you for such a great year. We've had a lot of fun. More to come, and uh, so we're we're breaking for now. But I will say, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening, and as always, cheers.